what is up what is up ladies and gentlemen welcome to the second official episode of the personal brand gods podcast where today i have a very special guest i have my good friend and colleague the famous tiktoker justin lubert welcome to the show how are you living justin i'm living pretty good uh you know living the life of luxury right over here in cali i love it man so Obviously, I think you listened to the first podcast I did. This is all about social media. It's about how to succeed on social media. It's about what are the mindsets that are needed to have success and just the future of social media, like where are things going? Why is it important? So obviously, you've had a lot of success on a platform called TikTok. Why don't you start off by giving the people just a basic kind of outline of how you got started in your journey with this whole thing. So I was talking to CJ Sparks and uh, she's going to tell me uh, what opportunity I had uh, with the situation I was in with my broken neck. And she's like, well, she's like, I think that you could you know, really go viral on TikTok. It's something that's got a very high shock factor and people are going to want to follow you and kind of get behind and watch your journey. So I was like, uh, you know, maybe I'll do it. And then I decided like two weeks later, I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll make a couple of videos. We'll see how it looks. And then um, about two, a week and a half in, I got my first viral video of about 800,000 views. Hell yeah. So yeah, I mean, talk a little bit about your neck injury and how like tell, I mean, this is kind of the full journey, right? So obviously that you're able to turn something unfortunate into an opportunity for yourself. So I mean, just can you give some background about what happened with all of that? Yeah. So basically I was driving on my way to work, uh, beautiful, beautiful Honda Civic. Those things are tanks. And it was pouring rain. It was about 9.30 in the morning uh, back in April. And it was actually one of the worst rains we'd had in years, all the way back to like El Nino. And we'd gotten about seven inches of rain that entire week. And that was the last day. So it's kind of just built up on the, on the roads, on the freeway. And I was coming around the corner uh, of, the on, of the merging onto the next freeway. And it's a pretty tight curve. It's about a 90 degree curve. And I was coming around the corner. The last second I noticed that there was about two, three inches of water in between the cracks in the freeway. Because in the, in the, it's a really old freeway. So they have like, when you drive over it, there's like little tiny dips every three feet in the freeway. So the water gathers in there. And they're like that wide. So it's enough for your tires to get lose grip. So it's a happened. I hydroplaned over the water's overflowing and I kind of lost control. And I went directly into a guardrail head on. And then I bounced off it and I couldn't regain control. And I went straight off a, a 60 foot cliff and I rolled all the way down to the bottom. And then um, I landed all the way at the bottom. I probably rolled like eight or nine times. And then uh, I was upside down with my seatbelt still on, took out a tree on the way down. The tree completely destroyed my windshield and all my windows were completely blown out. And then I, uh, had my phone on my ankles, grabbed my phone, looked to my left, looked to my right, realized I was not dead and I was alive, and uh, undid my seatbelt, uh, made sure I shielded my head so I wouldn't injure my neck at all, and I landed on my back, and then I rolled over on my side, uh, so I was on my, you know, like a plank position, and I grabbed my phone, and I kind of crawled out on my hands and knees with glass all over the, the inside of the car. And then I got halfway out of the car and I called my mom, told her I got in a car accident. I was still alive, obviously, because I was making the call. And I told my boss, I was like, hey, I'm not coming into work today. And then I 
pulled out my 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 phone, looked in the front camera, and I saw just blood just rushing down my head. My entire left eye was completely covered in blood. It was like almost like my left eye had like died. It was like completely yellow, and uh, and then the pain hit. Pain set in. Uh, I later found out that I had fractured six vertebrae in my spinal cord. Uh, my C1, C2, which are the top two vertebrae that connect directly to the brainstem and are responsible for all motion of the neck. And then uh, my C6, was it C- no, it was my C7, T1, T3, T4. Those are in the upper back. So, I mean, the C2 was a hangman fracture. So, basically, it's uh, if you fracture that one, that's basically what would happen to you if you got hung back in the day for being like a witch or whatever it was in the 1800s for a crime. They'd hang you. And uh, the thing that would break would be the C2. And once that broke, what it would do is it would suffocate you and you would obviously die from it. Um, and I broke that and I dislocated it as well. Wow. So inherently, I technically shouldn't even be here. Rather, should I even be able to talk to you guys or move my hands? That's insane. Well, definitely glad that you survived and, and went through something that crazy. It It definitely is unfortunate, but it's definitely, I mean, one of the things that, inspires me about your story and i think other people would find inspiring is the fact that a lot of people would probably take a victim mindset and uh slow down their life considerably or maybe just give up on life but i feel like you've taken a lot of steps obviously tiktok's just one thing that you've done but you've taken a lot of steps to actually advance yourself and grow from this experience despite having um something that a lot of people would say would be holding you back at least temporarily, you know, the first question that I would have, I think a lot of people would wonder is like, what do you think makes you different and that you're able to take something like this? So you could talk about, we'll talk about TikTok more in depth as we go on here, but in general, just about taking that and using it on platform like TikTok and moving your life forward um, from that experience. Like, how are you able to do that? Uh, I think really when you really think about like what I said about an injury that's supposed to kill you, that injury, basically, there's basically no uh, survival rate, really. The survival rate's basically in the 20 percentile or the upper 80 percentile. And, I mean, par- uh, the ability to not become paralyzed is basically like less than 1% chance. It's like almost not possible. And when you get onto those statistics, right, it kind of makes you feel almost kind of special that you're that there's some reason why you lived and other people didn't, right? I'm sure there's thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people that have been hung and suffered the same injury I had, except mine was obviously worse because I took an impact of 65 miles per hour directly to my neck, right? Um, so I think that just made me feel kind of like more special and unique. And it made me feel like I had a reason why I went through that. I had to inspire people. I had to motivate people. Because there's people out there, you know, maybe they're not, they weren't going through something as traumatic as me, but, you know, there's people out there that are going through breakups, uh, divorces, uh, maybe their grandma just died or their mom died or their sister died. Uh, maybe they just, you know, had a miscarriage and they were expecting a kid and they've been trying for years, right? Uh, maybe they just lost their job, uh, especially during what was going on. We were going through the pandemic. That was when the pandemic first started. Uh, pandemic started back in like late February, early March. Uh, I was in the hospital during April. So I feel like a lot of people just really needed hope. And I think seeing someone like me that was not only going through the pandemic and obviously I wasn't able to work, but I was also 
basically literally not able to really leave my house for like two and a half months. I mean, the only time I'd leave my house was when I'd go for a walk and I'd be like a half mile walk down the street and that'd be, and then I'd be like sitting in my house for two days because I'd be way too sore. So I used social media as a way to leverage the pain that I was going through, but I never wanted to show pain to anybody because it's not voice cracking. It's hard to think about. Um, when you show a lot of pain, people don't, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help the other people. So all you can do is be strong, be as strong as you can. And the stronger you are, you feel it in yourself. You automatically feel stronger and you won't, it won't affect you as much. And then we do that for the people and makes them feel empowered. And that's what I want to do for people. I want people to feel empowered no matter what they're going through, no matter what it is so they can make it through it. Uh, even if they go through something like me, um, where they're stuck at home for however long or, you know, any of those things that I mentioned earlier, uh, there's always a lot at the end of the tunnel, right? Like they always say, everything happens for a reason. Which I think it's true. Nice. That's fantastic. And I know your message has definitely inspired a lot of people, specifically on the platform of TikTok. Um, like how, I mean, I know you said that first video that popped off had about 800,000 views. Uh, like how many followers have you been able to gather so far Like by sharing your message? Um, so in the three weeks that I was uploading videos, I amassed about 44,000 followers. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously a pretty big number, especially just from going zero to that in three weeks. Obviously that's pretty crazy just in general, just that number of people. So, um, I know you'd mentioned to me that like one of the things you found fulfilling about it was the fact that people would share how inspired they were or just how much you had helped them by, by sharing your journey kind of, can you talk about that? Yeah. So every single time I'd post a video, uh, especially after the, I had one video that went viral. It got about, how many did it break? I think it either broke 4 million or it had like 3.5 million. Um, it was one where I had, uh, for anybody that's familiar with my TikTok or wants to check it out, there's a video of me with my camera and I kind of pan up directly and have it facing down. And you can see the actual screws where they go in directly into my head, into my skin, attached to my skull. Uh, once I started getting that video, I started getting a lot of traction because that one I think got like several thousands of shares. It was like crazy. And I'd gotten like over a million likes. It had gotten a lot of exposure. And after that, I'd go on like on a live. And I had a live and it had like 200 people on it. I was like, that's a lot for a live at one given time. And I do it at like 12 in the morning where everyone's supposed to be sleeping. And that every time I post a video, every single comment would be so empowering, so supportive. Oh, I hope you make it through this. You know, you give me hope. Uh, my dad's going through a tough time. He's going through diabetes. I'm not sure if he's going to make it, but watching your video made me feel more hopeful for him. I actually had him watch this video and he, he had already got in a better mood. It's like when you see stuff like that, where you're actually making a difference in people's lives, it's almost kind of like a game changer for you. There was many times during the experience of those several months where I was doubtful that I was ever going to be able to do, obviously what I'm doing right now where I can even move my neck. I was doubtful I was even going to be able to make it through that. So whenever I saw those comments, it really, really helped a lot. So I feel like when you put yourself in a position like that to be, I guess, some kind of public figure, it's kind of like you help your your supporters and your supporters help you. I agree a hundred percent with what you said. And I think that one of the reasons you've had success is because you've kind of authentically shared your journey. You know, you've um, 
you've taken, like we said earlier, something that like a lot of people wouldn't necessarily want to show the weak, like the the vulnerable side of themselves. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back from growing is they're, they want to share content, but they have a certain bar for the content where they're like, look, there's a metric of this where it's good enough or it presents me in such a good way, looking way, especially you see this on Instagram, right? Like it's like the photo has to have the perfect angle. Um, it has to make you look a certain amount of attractiveness for certain people to want to post it. But in reality, that's why a platform like TikTok is cool because this it's showing more of that unfiltered reality where it's just people being people, humans being humans versus Instagram's kind of like humans trying to present themselves as like meta humans almost like let's show only the best sides of myself. So, I mean, you were able to show some things about yourself that, I mean, people were able to connect with. So I think that's, that's great. I mean, do you think that that's something that's holding people back is not being able to like be vulnerable on camera and stuff. And how are you able to kind of like get to that point where you felt inspired to do that? I think there's a couple of things, right? I think there's still some kind of a stigma about TikTok and kind of like uploading in social media as a whole consistently. Or actually, I brought this up to my buddy. Uh, he has a SoundCloud. He's trying to become a, a famous rapper. Shout out to my friend Bumps Music, uh, my friend Clay. And I told him, I was like, hey, I was like, why don't you, 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 complain or you're not so happy about your the amount of views you're getting the exposure you're getting but how can you only post once every couple months like that's going to make people forget about you they're not going to want to look forward to your content if they're always having to wait so long and what he said was i don't want to annoy people and i was like you're not annoying people by posting once a week or once every two weeks or even every other day like you don't even post stories you don't post anything and he's like yeah i don't want to annoy people like people like that are annoying i'm like oh, i mean i don't know man and the same thing with TikTok, it's like there's a stigma around TikTok that people th still think it's like just for people that are like minors, people that are under 18. Even though Addison Ray, who's arguably one of the most well-known people on TikTok, uh, number two following, she's 19. Right? You've got King Batch, you've got all these guys who moved from Vine and, and uh, YouTube. They're huge on there now. They're making a good amount of money and they're over 18. But I feel like there's still this big stigma around it. And of course, the thing with the president and all that stuff, people are so afraid to hop on board. And then once, this is one thing I kind of experienced when I actually got really big, really fast. I kind of held myself too high of a standard for my content. When I got to you know millions of views in every single video, you almost get scared to kind of mess up. I'm not sure if you ever felt that, Kevin, because I know you've got a really big social media following on, on Instagram and YouTube. Have you ever felt like you're afraid to have that one video that kind of just destroys the, destroys the momentum? I know what you mean in that. Like you set the standard, you're like, wait, I don't think I'm capable of making that standard. You start to get limiting beliefs and then you just stop taking action. And what I've noticed is the key thing is you can't just always sit on your ass and just have an idea come to you sometimes you just have to start making things and start press the record button or like just press the red button and make some things and then you start to get in this creative flow state where then you access parts of yourself parts of your creative ability that you didn't necessarily know that you had and that's where you come up with these ideas that actually end up going viral or just being successful or just something you can get passionate about you know i mean that's a big thing of course 
being passionate about what you're making. Because if you're not excited about the video that you're going to make um, and you can't find an idea that excites you, like it makes sense that you're not, you wouldn't be uh, producing. I think there's another big thing too about making viral videos. Um, if you look at a lot of the creators that make it really big on YouTube, what do they do? The key thing is there's a couple things. They do something that's not been done before, something that's exciting. Um, maybe not necessarily has been done before, but they have a thumbnail and a title that are clickbait, exciting, something that spikes curiosity that makes you feel compelled to click on it. And then they deliver on it. You know, I think Mr. Beast is the best example of that. I mentioned that in the last podcast, but he comes up with clickbait and then he delivers on it. He comes up with the craziest thing you can think of and then delivers on it. The other thing I would say is uh, definitely collaboration and consistency seem to be two things that are 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 the norm with the people that succeed you know but if you're just talking about a flash in the pan viral video it spikes curiosity it gets people's attention it hooks them in and it delivers i want to add another thing too it's not being afraid to take ideas from your comment section you get to a point in time where you're kind of out of creativity and you kind of have like writer's block right sometimes you you have no idea what you're going to post next and you look in your comments and you're like you know what that's actually not a bad idea. And then you post it and then it goes viral. That's actually what happened to me in a couple of videos is I literally just look at the comments and they're like, I want to see the wounds. I want to see what this, the screws look like. I post it and it goes viral. They want to be like, I want to see you, how you take a shower. Boom, viral. I want to see how you brush your teeth. Viral. I want to see how you eat. Viral. I probably would not have thought people would actually want to see some handicapped guy trying to brush his teeth. I thought that was like the weirdest thing, but it's like people actually want to see that. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have been able to notice that unless I ever looked at my comments and really kind of understood what my supporting audience wanted to see. Cause you always want to, you, you think like, Oh, they want to see this, right? You'll, you'll figure out something cool. You'll think, Oh, this is great. You'll spend like 10 hours on something you enjoy. But then you won't be looking at your target audience and thinking like, what do, what do they actually want to see? And then you'll post what you want to see and they'll get like a thousand views on whatever platform, right? Even like now on Reels, Instagram, you have a little bit more of that uh, the ability to go viral because it's more of an outreach. And then you'll post something that's like kind of random. Like you said, it's kind of more clickbaity. Uh, maybe it's a little bit more out of the ordinary and it'll just go like crazy. That's a great point. I agree 100%. I mean, your audience is going to always know better than you like what they want to see so just listening to them that's a fantastic perspective i think a lot of people will appreciate that so diving deeper into tiktok like what would you what is just the basic advice you'd give someone like let's say someone's like look they're listening to this podcast right now they're like damn justin got forty thousand in three weeks if they were trying to make an effort i mean there's a couple questions here actually but if they're trying to make an effort to break into tiktok what would be your advice and like what would you what would you just say about the opportunity in general? Like, is it a good opportunity? Like, what would you say to encourage people who are kind of dismissive of it? I think TikTok, it, it can be a couple of different things. It can be a way to send traffic to your other social media, like your Instagram or YouTube, because the ability to go viral so fast. I mean, you could target, you could target millions of people to go straight to your profile at one time or within a 24 hour period that you can't get any other else. I mean, that type of traffic, you'd have to pay thousands of dollars for it to some marketing firm or some kind of 
uh, Google, uh, Google ads or Facebook ads or one of those things. So you can, you can kind of move them over to your, to your Instagram or your, your YouTube. In fact, I actually doubled my followers on Instagram within three days, just from having my Instagram in my, in my, um, in my bio. That's it. Um, you could also do another thing too. I've seen a lot of people that they use it for sponsors because you, once you get above, I believe it was either a thousand or 10,000 followers, you have to meet a couple of criteria and you can qualify for the TikTok creator fund. That one pays you between about two to four cents per thousand views. Obviously that's not a great amount of money, but just like on YouTube, what you want to really go for and as well on Instagram, you just want to get those sponsors. So once you get over a hundred thousand followers, you qualify for sponsors. You can pretty much negotiate whatever deal you want. And that's where the big money comes in. That's where, Charlie D'Amelio makes her money. That's where Edison Ray makes her money. Uh, King Badge, uh, TP Baby 2000, up and coming guy. He's got like 3 million views now. He's got some of the funniest videos I've ever seen. Yeah, so you can do that route. Uh, that's two routes. Or another one actually is I know one guy. Uh, he had, have you seen those videos where it's like the guy where he's trying to like fill in? It, let's say it's like, oh, if I was um Tupac on this song and he'll kind of like do the auto tune he'll actually sit himself in the mic and he'll be like kind of like singing and I'll have the producer sing they're like this stuff bad that guy actually got signed by a record deal just from two TikToks he got signed to a record label I think he got signed to like Universal I think it was Universal from two TikToks like this guy's just life just changed within like three days just from two videos and now he's signed to a, a multi-single and album deal. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. I think for musicians in particular, it is a really great platform since it's so driven by the the remixability of audio and putting those videos on top of the audio. Like, it's definitely the place to be for musicians, I'd say. I think I like about TikTok too is how good you actually get for an editor within just a basic social media app. Yeah, I know it has like the green screen effect and it has like a ton of different effects and like the voice modulator that everyone will use that, uh, I forget what it's called, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like the, the alien one and like the super low pitch one. I mean, it's always interested me. Like, I mean, if we talk about TikTok, like I realized the potential of it back when it was musically. Like I remember this was, that's how I got a thousand, I have a thousand followers on my TikTok. Now it's not very active. But the only reason I have a thousand followers, I actually got that when it was musically. Um, Cause this was back like 2017 when I had a musically and I was like, look, this musically shit, it's going to be huge. All the fucking 12 year olds are using it. I know it's going to be fucking huge. So I was like, let me see if I can get in on this. And I started making like what I was making. Most people were doing lip singing vids. I was doing it for like, uh, I'd make like guitar covers on there and like singing covers. Uh, I think I privated them since then. Yeah, I was making it. I was learning how to grow on there. Uh, and I saw the potential. And then I, it was funny because at the time I remember I was telling this girl who I was friends with, I was like, look, music, what do you think about musically? Like, I think it's about, she was a little bit younger than me. So I was like getting her perspective. It's like, what do you think about musically? She's like, nah, that's for kids. That's dumb. I'm like, I think it's going to be big. But again, I didn't really learn how to capitalize it. I mean, I was 24 at the time and I wasn't like, going down the e-boy route by any means. <laughs> so it was uh, interesting for sure. But I mean, I saw the potential of it. And I think it's, I think the fact, like talking about the opportunity, I think the fact that, for instance, Trump wants wanted to ban it um, and the fact that all of the drama regarding it, all of the thing about people 
talking about how it's mainly just young kids and too young of a draft demographic. I think as a creator on there, that should just be music to your ears. Because in my opinion, this app is not like this. The numbers are the numbers. Like you can talk about your opinions and how you feel about this app. You're like, that's just for kids. But numbers are numbers at the end of the day. And if you're getting millions of views and the numbers have shown that it's not just kids, there are older people on this app, obviously, like a, a decent percentage is over 18. If you know those numbers and you're getting those numbers, it doesn't matter like what it, what's going on in the news. It doesn't matter what the general public consensus is. You're getting numbers and you can take that traffic, like you said, which is valuable. And then you can convert that into a fan base who's passionate about you, get sponsorship deals, or you could just convert that into a fan base that's passionate about you, then turn them into customers to sell them some sort of uh, product or service, you know, if you're running an online business. Another thing I like about TikTok too, I'm sure you've kind of seen like a lot on the news uh, about like Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, they censor a lot of content where like if it's certain, (laughs) if it's something that has certain political affiliation or it kind of leans a certain way um, and it doesn't, you know, where they don't enjoy it, they'll censor and they'll like completely take it down. Whereas on TikTok, you can literally have everything. Like I've, I've seen, I mean, stuff that's not great, right? Stuff I'm, I'm not, I didn't want to see, but freedom of speech, right? Everyone has their right to post whatever they want. Uh, but I've seen a lot of great things that probably wouldn't even been allowed on, on Instagram. I mean, of course, you see the the stereotypical thing that everyone talks about on TikTok, right? It's just people dancing and showing as much skin as possible. Um, I mean, that's stuff a lot of people actually wish they could do on Instagram, but they can't because it just they'll get taken down or they'll get shadow banned for it. But it's almost like on TikTok, it's almost kind of like. It's not taboo at all. It's almost like kind of what comes with the app. And I feel like a lot of people have really made a lot of a lot of money off that. They've kind of built their fan base off TikTok and then like moved it into OnlyFans or like I said, traffic to get back to their Instagram. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with these platforms. Like whenever they're when they're new, they're kind of like the wild, wild west. Now I think with TikTok, what you see a lot of the time is just kind of a symptom of our society and the two different sides of people that are massively creative. And then on the other side, a lot of people aren't creative, you know, and TikTok showcases the opportunities of people that are really, really creative where you can just give them an app, say, here, here's some of, here's the editor, uh, get creative, just make whatever you want. Some people get that and it's a powerful tool for them. You know, it's like a paintbrush to a painter. But if you're, if you don't have that creativity spark, now I think creativity can be learned to a degree. And I think everyone has creative talent within them, but some people are more naturally gifted for sure. Uh, now that doesn't mean you can just natural talent alone isn't going to guarantee you success, you know. But um, on the other hand, I think there's a lot of people, like specifically people that have had success on YouTube or Instagram over the years, who look at something like TikTok or any new platform, and they're like, "Look, there's no instruction manual. There's no. I mean, there are obviously courses now for TikTok. When it first came out, there wasn't courses where it's like, okay, post at this time with this thing. Like you had to figure it out on your own." And that's what it is. It's chaos. It's the wild, wild west. And with that chaos, you can thrive in that chaos if you choose to accept that it is chaos. And I think a lot of people, I think what's holding back a lot of people is they see that chaos and they, they just have this mental bias of, of just not wanting to change. I think that's what holds a lot of people back. And I've seen this before because 
I always think of TikTok when I think about it. I think of Snapchat. I remember when Snapchat first came out. This was a long time ago. <laughs> it's probably like 2000. I think it is like 2010. Yeah, 2009, 2010. I have to look it up. But anyways, I remember my sister had Snapchat. And that was the first time I saw it. My sister had it. And she would literally, obviously, you probably know how Snapchat works at this point. But when I saw it, I was like, okay, there's an app where she's literally just taking a picture of her face and just sending it to her friend. And then her friend sends back a picture of her face. And they just send their face back and forth. I'm just like, this, why the fuck are you sending your face? Why don't you just text them? Like, you're trying to send them information. Like, why do they need to see your fucking face? Um, and they always like showing like the chin upward facing thing or just like it's like a bad angle always. I didn't understand it at all. But guess what? Within a month, I had a Snapchat and I was using it every day because it was just like something. It's just a trend. Like I want to use it to communicate. It was a better tool for communication. And I, I look at it when people dismiss TikTok. I don't try to dismiss anything nowadays because I think everything has potential. But I think people dismiss it. It reminds me of Snapchat where it was like when Snapchat initially came out. It was literally a sexting app for teens. Like that's what it was about. It was like sending your face and sexting each other. And then obviously it became, everyone thought it was just for kids and then it became big. And I mean, you see the same thing with all these platforms. It's like nobody had an Instagram, especially if you're talking about guys like in their 20s, like, like I am right now, like the average guy did not have an Instagram when it first came out. Guess what I thought of Instagram? It was my girlfriend across the dinner table at me and she'd be swiping i'd be trying to have dinner with her and have like a good um, meal like a good nice dinner or like connect conversation whatever love and connection and she'd just be sitting there swiping on her phone it's like double tap swipe double tap swipe i'm just like put the phone down what the fuck is so good about this instagram shit like who gives a fuck about those pictures like who cares i'm here right now like pay attention to me um <laughs> and i saw that i was like this is stupid and then guess what? Years go by and I have an Instagram. Now, in fact, I use my Instagram every fucking day and I'm like posting on there all the fucking time. So it's like a lot of ways. You now you're of, one of the biggest guys on Instagram. Yeah, in a lot of ways you have to suspend your disbelief and just be like, look, this is a trend. It doesn't really matter why this is a trend. Not that much. It just matters when we come back to what I was saying earlier. It matters to the fact like numbers don't lie. As Jay-Z, I think, said, <laughs> you know, numbers don't lie. If there's numbers there, if there's eyeballs on that thing, start making content. Don't overthink. Don't put yourself in this limiting belief position to not to not be flexible towards change. So I think that's that's something that has held a lot of people back with TikTok is they're like, look, oh, I'm already big on Instagram. I'm like, why should I make it's like, dude, stop asking yourself why you shouldn't do it. Like, stop coming with all the reasons and look for just the basic stuff like i think that's like if you tell like if i was to tell people in the past like oh you should go on tiktok they'd be like oh let me give you a bunch of reasons why i shouldn't be it's like how about we pay attention to the one reason you should the fact that there's millions of people on there millions of eyeballs hundreds of millions of eyeballs and you're able to gain a hundred thousand followers in a matter of weeks how about we just take that fact alone and just start taking some action i want to touch on another thing too is like you're mentioning how you know, Snapchat and the beginning, you have the people that kind of early adopters that kind of like join in early and then they kind of get the feel of it and they kind of really understand it and they start kind of showing off to their friends and it's kind of like a snowball effect of word of mouth. Whereas right now, TikTok's only kind of really been around for well, like 
two years at most where it kind of it swapped it switched out from musically and now you still have people like charlie d'amelio she's she's got 95 million followers she's the most followed person Whereas look at instagram right the most followed person i think is like cristiano ronaldo and he's got like 230 million and i feel like tiktok is more of a worldwide app now than than instagram is because it's it's not a u.s based app it's based out of china so it's already international whereas instagram is starting in the u.s so it took a lot of time to really branch out I mean, I think we know China has like 2 billion people. The U.S. only has like 300 million. So it's going to grow faster. So I feel like TikTok is still right now in its early stages. Uh, I think there's a lot more time for it to grow. Like you said, it's kind of in a beta program where they still have a lot of things that they need to tweak out, fix. Uh, one thing I really hope they never get rid of is the, the amazing algorithm where it is kind of like an open, oh, completely open ecosystem where kind of anything goes where it's a free-for-all, where pretty much you can post anything, just gets the right amount of likes, right amount of comments, right amount of shares, and you're going to have a guy just staring at his screen with no hashtags and no caption, and he gets 3 million views. Like, I think that's the beauty of TikTok, whereas Instagram, they kind of throttled everything, where, you know, you could have 100,000 followers, and you'll, you could have, like, three years ago, gotten, like, 10, 15,000 likes, and now these guys are getting, like, 2000 3000 it reminds me a bit of like the early days of youtube in terms of the vibe where it's just like things go viral and like every video that was going viral is just some unique thing like if you think back to the early days of youtube there was like that evolution of dance video it's like you would go to youtube just to watch funny viral videos that were just viral for the sake of being viral in their own way you know and I mean, TikTok has that same vibe, except it's on steroids. You know, I mean, it's in everybody's phone. You don't have to be an expert uh, like with a camera to use it at all. It's in your phone. And I mean, the the shareability and the rapidness of you gaining these millions of views is just so much faster. So, I mean, my question that I think a lot of people want to hear answered from you, Justin, is like, what would you say to someone who's getting started on TikTok? Let's say they download the app today. And they maybe they know what it is. Maybe they've been consuming it for a while. Maybe they maybe they already have the app for a while. They know what it is, but they've decided today that they want to start to try to post consistently on there and build a following for whatever reason. Whether it's because they want to build a positivity movement, or they just want to be famous, or they want to make it into a career where they're making money from getting clients off of it. Whatever whatever reason they might want to get big on TikTok, they want to get big on there. What's the advice you'd give to the person like that? What I did when I first started out, and this is kind of something I learned about Instagram, because a lot of things you, you use for Instagram are actually very useful on TikTok. And one of those being dominating hashtags. So the first thing I do is try to find hashtags that have less than 50 million views or 50 million posts rather, I'd rather, I'd prefer to go for the, the sub 50 million views and kind of dominate those hashtags. I'll uh, use an example, right? I didn't post anything on TikTok, TikTok, TikTok for about one and a half months. During those one and a half months, I was still getting a thousand views a day from not posting anything. Gone. Even to this day, after a month and a half, I'm still getting a thousand views a day from videos I posted like three months ago, minimum 30, minimum a thousand views. Obviously, I was getting like 10K, 15K, 100K when I first branched off. And the reason for that was because I had several different hashtags that I dominated that I'm number one on, number two on, number three on. 
every single time, even if you stop posting, it gains momentum. And when you are posting, it's even better. You keep gaining momentum. It's like a snowball that keeps getting better and better and better. So when you have multiple hashtags, you're dominating it. So you continuously always getting more and more views, like a snowball effect. So the first thing I do is try to get a hashtags that you basically run where you're in the top five, top three in. And then another thing would be posting consistently. I'll try to post the same time every single day. This one I learned from uh, one of my mother mentors, Graham Stephan. Uh, he's probably one of the most fastest growing guys on YouTube. I think he's got like 2.5 million now. I uh, started back in 2018. He had zero. And now he's making, you know, a couple million a year now just off of YouTube and just running off ads, no other products. And what he told me is he said, consistency is everything you want your supporters, your subscribers, your fans, whatever you want to call them, to look forward to your content and uploading the same days every single week. Don't miss a beat. Because if you do not upload consistently, let's say you upload every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You don't upload that Wednesday and you don't tell your subscribers why you didn't upload, like immediately within like, like some kind of message or live or whatever, they're going to find someone else to watch. And then when they find someone else to watch, they might forget about you. And then they may never watch your videos ever again. And then you lose loyalty. So if you post consistently every single day, whether it's every two days, it's every day. Some people I see, they post like four times a day. It's like crazy how people can be that creative. But yeah, I'd probably create a consistent schedule where you post the same time or same range of time or same day uh, on a nice schedule. Another thing I would do is um, every single day, look at the trending hashtags. There's usually between like two and three hashtags a day. They're trending. You've got the fire ones and then you've got the ones that give the thumbs up. Go for the fire ones. Try to go for a mix. Check out like one fire one and like one thumbs up. And then try to go for like one or two hashtags that relate to what you did, that relate to your video that you're posting. And then um, have it be below, have one that's below like 50 million, 50 million views. And then have one that's like 100 million views. So try to find your nice range that works out for you and do some testing, see what works the best for you because everyone's different. Some people's channels respond differently to other things. I'd say those are the top three things. And then another thing too is going live. One thing I noticed worked really well for me is every single time you post, I'll go live. Because when you go live, uh, if you just go to your notifications bar, your notifications tab at the bottom of your app uh, on the screen, it shows you at the very top who's going live. And when you go from one, you can you can click on one live, you just swipe up from the bottom and take it to another live. You keep swiping over and over and over again. So you'll find channels that you never would have found unless you clicked on the lives. Unless, and obviously that's not going to come up if you never went live in the first place. So going live is really big because it, it gives you another way to leverage the algorithm of TikTok. So not only do you have the open source, you can just post something, it gets traction, it shows up on the, on the For You page, but you can also take advantage of the live and then gives you another reason for them to see your page. And they have two different avenues. avenues. And on top of these, you've got the hashtag, so that's three ways. So you've got so many different avenues that you can be building your, your fan base from. You talk about, obviously, I think it's something we've all heard at this point on social media, which is like, be consistent. Like we all, I think everybody knows that and it's been beaten to death, but obviously it is important. So what is it, what does it look like to be consistent? Like what I mean, like what I mean is obviously it looks like the end result is posting something at the same time every day, let's say for TikTok. 
but how does that system get managed for you? Like, how can you post every day? Like, what what does that look like? Because obviously, I know it's not the best way to do it is just to have like a flurry of action where it's like, okay, it's time to post at 11. Better like you wake up at 10 and it's like, oh my God, I have my post at 11 a.m. And it's not just like you just rush it. How can you produce, like you talk about some people post four times a day, whether or not you're able to do that, what do you think is the method to the madness that people are able to do to create that much? Like how many hours a day are they spending? How do they have systems in place to be able to do that? Because I think that's something that holds a lot of people back is they're like, I see the potential, I see the opportunity of TikTok or they see the opportunity with YouTube or any platform. Let's stick on TikTok. They see the opportunity, but they're like, look, I see the opportunity, but realistically, I just know I can't post one video per day. There's just no way I have enough time for that. What would you say to someone like that? I think what I want to say about the people that post like several times a day, those people are either doing one or two things, right? The number one thing probably they're doing is they're possibly sacrificing quality for quantity. And what they're doing that is they're lowering their standard of what matches up for what they could fit for their channel. And then it's a front, some people it works really well. Some people it doesn't. And the way they're doing that is not, I don't think they're really filming all those videos in one day, right? Because one video, depending on how in depth it is, like all, all those, um, all those videos, those transition videos, those things can take like six, seven hours to edit. Unless you're like a really big professional, you've got like a whole team working for you. So I don't think you could really be posting multiple for those a day, unless you're batching it up. And you're doing it like your off days where you take like two, three days off and you spend those entire days just grinding. Um, but when it comes to like being consistent for me, I was posting every single day and I would be spending like, I'd be spending probably about an hour filming one, one minute video. And then I would spend like four five, six hours editing it for one, one minute video. And it's like, the funny thing was the videos that I would put the most effort into, they would get the least amount of traction, but the videos I kind of just like pushed out and I was just like, this is dope. Kind of just, it was great comment. Uh, this is a great idea. It's kind of raw. Just maybe edit it just in the TikTok app and just throw some music on. That was, those one really, really took off. So it's like, you have to have a balance. You can't, it's not always good unless that's your niche where it's like, you're just doing like video effects for your TikTok to be like pumping out these super crazy, like out of the box, amazing videos. You don't have to do those. Cause I know there's one guy I follow on TikTok and he, he has kind of videos like that. He has a video where he does video videography for car commercials. And he spends a lot of time in those videos. He has uh, videos where he goes behind the scenes of how he gets some super crazy pictures. Where he like, does a BTS, he has a speed light, he has everything. And he'll post like every three, four days. And he gains insane amount of traction. He gained, I think he's almost at a million, million followers now. And he's only been on there for like less than a year. So it's like, if you're doing like those dancing videos, that's not too hard to post multiple times a day. Because there's not a whole, there's not a an extreme amount of standard, any kind of street, a certain level of, I don't want to say talent, but uh, insane amount of skill required for that specific thing, unless you're going really in depth and you're creating your own dances off the cuff. And that's something different. But a lot of people on TikTok, they kind of 
get ideas from other people's dances they're doing. And those you can kind of push out a little bit faster. But I think it really depends on what you're really trying to do. Um, for dancing, you could probably post multiple times a day, every other day, three times a day, whatever. But for it's a little bit more in depth where it takes a lot of editing, a lot of editing, um, people are really going to understand like, hey, like, there's no way this guy's pushing out this freaking stuff like three times a day where he's just like going crazy. Transition videos take way too long. You have to have a balance. When I think about consistency and setting a consistent schedule, like I think the the standard on TikTok is like you got to be posting once per day at least to like traditionally have like a ton of success on there. On YouTube, it's usually about minimum once. Like the standards that I hear tossed around, it's like once per week on YouTube. Roughly, you can do more two for a week or three per week. But um, once per week is usually like the bare minimum. And really what I've come to the conclusion of is it's about having a baseline for content where it's like, okay, let's say everything goes wrong in a certain week and you don't have those 20, 30 hours that you would normally want to have to like make a stellar top 10 out of 10 quality video for yourself. What is the fallback? Let's say you only had a few hours to work with or something. How can you still put out a piece of content that moves the ball forward and adds value, adds to the discussion, adds to your timeline of something that you're you're proud of to push the ball forward with your own brand? I think that's kind of like you need to have this default standard where it's like for YouTube, let's say, as an example, you could have this awesome uh, video where it has like a vlog to it and it has sick B-roll and like crazy transitions and like drone footage. You could have that. You know, it's going to take a lot of time to film that and make that. Or at the other time, you can always just, if you don't have enough time or enough uh, enough time or enough cool things to put in the video for that week, you could just have yourself talking to a camera like this and talking for 10 minutes about whatever niche you're in. You know, so it's like aim for, this is what I've been thinking, is like aim for the best, but have these backup plans, have these videos maybe even stocked up just in case. A, time, a crisis comes essentially because it's basically just a media production company. It's like if you're a TV show that has a TV show going out every week, well, you can't miss a week, you know? So I think it's having that like baseline default where it's better in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, this is what it's come to, but it's the balance between quality and quantity where it is better to put out something that's decent than to put out something that, <laughs> than to put out nothing at all in a given week. I think that's what holds a lot of people back is like, if you have a perfectionist mindset that goes against your belief, like I'm a perfectionist, it goes against our belief systems entirely. Our belief system is like, oh, if it can't be perfect, don't do it. But really it seems like, it seems like a lot of the creators that have success, they put out decent videos and then over time, they just get better and better and better to where then of course they can put in more effort and stuff, but it's definitely a balance. And I think that's just a discussion that I, th I think that's what holding a lot of people back including myself. I think you do a lot of testing, kind of see what works best for you. Um, maybe posting four times a day will work best for your kind of content. Maybe once a day will work best. Uh, I don't think if you post more than two days out, I feel like you kind of, I feel like that kind of, it's a more of a loss than a win situation. Yeah, I don't think you can do more than uh, once every two days. I feel like once you go past that, unless, unless you already have a great base, like you said, where you have a million followers and you have really good traction and you're known those and those guys every single time you post, you always hit the free page. Yeah, yeah. It's finding that sweet spot for you where you're comfortable putting with what you're putting out. But also I think we all have to err to that. 
we all have to push ourselves to the edge of just making as much as possible and not making it too perfect. Because at the end of the day, like you said, the videos that do the best tend to be the ones that are off the cuff, tend to be the ones where you just get an idea and you run with it. The more that we overthink what we put out, I think that that really can stifle the creativity and just slow people down. Being able to just be more off the cuff and not being afraid to just push out what I think is good content as well as what I think my readers would enjoy. Instead of being super, everything has to be the best. If this if this doesn't meet this quality, I'm not going to post it. And then you end up just not posting it at all and then it's worse than it could have been. Yeah, and I mean, it always brings to mind an interview with Ed Sheeran that I once heard where he was talking about the creative process and he said it's like a sink. So when you turn on a sink, I guess he's like talking about some old sink or something, but back in the old days, when you turn on a sink, the water would be brown. Uh, like, I guess this is like the 1800s or 1900s, like they had sinks. When you turn on the sink, the water would be brown every single time for the first like four seconds, and then it would get clear. And Ed Sheeran, he said, this is a metaphor for his music. He's like, look, you got to turn on the faucet of your creativity. And when you start making songs, he's obviously talking about music, every song that you write well, guess what? The first ones that you make are probably going to be dirty water. It's going to be bad, but you have to get through the bad songs in order to get to the good ones. I think that's the thing with the creative process that's so hard is it's like it never it never starts off as something good. Like it's never just you automatically are like, oh, my first YouTube video is going to get a billion views. The people that really win are just consistent over time until they hit that creative flow state. And then they just kind of ride that creative momentum forward. Yeah, I know some people could probably connect this to sports too. It's not like you just walk out uh, playing basketball and you're just draining threes right off the bat. Even the professionals need to do a warm up before the game. Or like how you're working at the gym and you need to hit up a, warm -up, a couple of warm up sets to really be at your best. You can kind of connect it to pretty much everything that you always need to kind of build your way up from the bottom back, even if it was yesterday yeah and i think tiktok really is that's what's so cool about it is that i think in a lot of ways like you said testing is important tiktok really is a testing ground for ideas in a lot of ways like you can what i've heard the strategies of some of the bigger tiktokers i know like they will have multiple accounts and on their not on their main account their non-main account their like secondary account they will post kind of like sketches of an idea that they have for a video and then based on that sketch, that like kind of rough draft essentially, where it's maybe it's not perfect, it's they could make it more optimized, but they're just getting that general idea out and they're testing it. Based on the performance of that secondary account, then they'll be like, oh, wow, this one's doing well. This one got 30,000 views and the other ones only got 1,000 views each. Then they'll take that concept and then they'll put that in a more highly produced or just a better version of it, like a final draft. They'll post that on their main account. And then it'll obviously do well because they've tested it. I think that's the key thing with this entire social media, not just TikTok, but it's the ability to take that testing mindset, that experimentation mindset, uh, like that scientific experimentation mindset and bring it to these platforms where it's less about identifying with the content. Don't identify, don't have your ego so tied up. It's like, oh, if this does well, then I'm cool. If this doesn't do well, then I suck. And more of just like an experimentation where it's like, look, I'm putting out this piece of content and it's a test. I'm interested to see how it performs. And that way you're distancing yourself from that ego identification, which I think holds a lot of people back. What do you see for the future of TikTok? What do you think about people who are successful on TikTok right now? There's a lot of people on TikTok who are kind of a flash in the pan. 
Like they they do gain followers quickly, but they fall off quickly. Seemingly, they either like you said, they get a bunch of followers and they can't keep up with the uh, the pressures of being overnight famous, and they don't learn how to actually transition that into having a multi platform successful strategy. But then on the other end, of course, you've seen people like the biggest TikTokers who are like Charlie D'Amelio. What do you see for the future of TikTok in general as a platform? And what do you see as the future for creators on there who are having success? What do they need to do to make sure that it's actually, they actually take this opportunity? Just like with Vine, certain Viners used Vine as a launch pad into a, having a huge brand for themselves and making tons of money and becoming famous. While a lot of them, nobody even talks about them anymore. So what's what do you see with the future of TikTok and with TikTokers in general? I think a big thing about getting big and maintaining your traction on TikTok is ma- maintaining consistency, right? If you stay consistent, there's going to be less likely chance of forgetting about you. Um, as well as it kind of keeps you in the rhythm. And the longer you keep that momentum going, the more that creative is gonna, creativity is going to stick with you. If you're posting once every three days and you're you're going to slowly catch yourself forgetting about making sure you're on task. You're going to kind of lose that momentum and that traction, um, not only on just an algorithm, but just in within yourself. And you're going to kind of just stop enjoying TikTok and making videos as a whole. So I think that's a really big contributing factor. Nothing too is, I think you mentioned earlier, is collabs. So if you do kind of notice yourself slowly kind of losing a little bit of traction, do a collab. Hit up someone that has a similar niche to you and do a cool video with them. Depending on obviously certain parts of certain niches you have, it's a little bit harder to do a collab with, but try doing a collab. That helps a lot. That works obviously on YouTube very well. On Instagram works well too if you take a picture or a video with someone who's uh, higher status than you on that platform. Another thing too, on the future of TikTok, I think TikTok is going to get a lot bigger. Uh, like I mentioned earlier with Instagram, you have the most followed person has like 230 million. On TikTok, you only have 95, I think Charlie's at like 95 million right now. It's just crazy to think about like she's half of Ronaldo and she's only been on social media. She's only been doing her skill set for like under a year. Ronaldo had to win like so many championships and be famous for so long to even get to that point. And she's only been doing her thing for like about a year now. That's just crazy to think about. Yeah. And Ronaldo's like 36 and she's like 16. So, so yeah, you got to think, right. If she grew to 95, 95 million followers in less than a year. So she went from making $0 to making 10 to $15 million a year for dancing in a video. And same with Addison Ray too. Addison Ray, you know, she's hang, right now hanging out with the Kardashians now. She's got like 65 million views. I mean, 65 million followers. I, when you look at their Instagram following, their Instagram following is half that. They're at 30 million already. So I think once these people grow, a lot of people are going to follow with them. You know, Bryce Hall is up and coming. Um, my boy TP Baby 2000 with his funny, funny escape videos. You've got like a lot of doctors and nurses getting big on there. They're like, answering a lot of medical questions. I've got people that are lawyers on there. You got a lot of people that are branding their businesses using TikTok because it's a good way to connect to the younger audience. And it's a little bit easier to get more outreach than Instagram and YouTube. I think a lot of people are really starting to really kind of understand the actual benefits of using TikTok over other social media platforms. I think it's only going to get better because you really think like 
Facebook right now is still, people still use Facebook. Facebook's been around for 14 years. And they still have so many people that haven't even branched off of Facebook yet and on Instagram. And then you have that happen, then Facebook dies out like MySpace. And then you have Instagram, everyone moves over to TikTok. I, I could say TikTok, I could see TikTok growing, I'd say triple in size in the next two years. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I, I love that opportunity. I think that's so big for people. Obviously, you've given a lot of strategy and tactics on this call. So I think there will be some people that get started just by listening to this podcast. So, I mean, I mean, to wrap things up, I mean, we just talked about the future of TikTok. What's what's the future for you? Uh, are you going to stay active on these platforms? How can people connect with you? And like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with this movement that you've obviously created a 40,000 follower movement? What do how are you going to grow that? And uh, why are you going to grow it? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to start an online business? Or are you just going to focus on creating a entertainment? Like, what's your plans? Yeah, so as you guys know, I do have that TikTok with 40,000 followers. I actually have a base of months worth of content for YouTube that I'd filmed over the period of time from the Dallas in the hospital to now. I've been, doing, I've been filming vlogs. I have like 40, for about 40 gigs worth of video that I've been filming that I just have to edit and throw up. I'm going to start throwing that up about two, three times a week. I'm going to be kind of going over more so what I couldn't cover on TikTok. Because on TikTok, I can't post a 9, 10, 15-minute video of what I did throughout the day. So that's pretty much what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be posting videos about the life that I lived and kind of like take you guys with me on really what it's like to be kind of confined to your bed during a pandemic. Where not only people are just stuck in their house and they can kind of go for a run or whatever and get, hang out with their family, but someone who's literally like in the shit. And you guys can see like what I ate. Um, I, I literally actually go in depth after every single doctor's appointment. I literally go over like, here's what happened. This is what they recommended. See my exercises. Uh, maybe maybe there might be some uh, girl drama in the, some of those videos. You guys can check in on that. Uh, I think Kevin might even be one of the videos actually too when we met up in Vegas. Um, you guys can look out for that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak too much on it. I'll leave it for you guys to see. I don't think Kevin's even seen it. I have not seen it. <laughs> awesome, bro. So I mean people can connect with you at Justin Lubert on Instagram. It's at Justin Lubert on TikTok as well, correct? Yeah. Um I respond to a good amount of my comments on TikTok. So if you guys Leave me a nice comment in there. Comment on there. You know, respond. Same DM me on Instagram. Nice, dude. Well, I'm excited to see your growth in the coming months on TikTok and to see the YouTube strategy of of putting out content on there. I'm excited to see how that does. Uh, thank you for joining me on this Personal Brand Gods podcast, the second episode. Is there any final words you'd like to leave the people on? Uh, yeah, two things. TikTok, if you're listening, do not change the algorithm. Number two. This guy, Kevin Devon James, you listen to this guy. This guy knows what he's doing. All right, great. I'll, t I'll take it. I'll take it. Anyways, Justin, it's been a great chat, and I, I wish you the best. I'm sure I'll see you soon. Don't ever be afraid to get started. Everybody starts somewhere. Charlie D'Amelio and Addison Ray didn't just start out with 50 million followers. Cristiano Ronaldo did not start with 200 million followers. He started from zero, just like you. If you're this one you really, really want to do, and you really want to get big, and you really want to make a life out of it, I think it's pretty lucrative. And I think you, you really actually find to enjoy it.